morning. Good morning. And those are the kind of works that continue, isn't it? Even for years, we'll, we have been talking about Drago and Angela anyway, right? And uh, because they meant a lot to the church, and we appreciate Mike and Angela here. Those works are written in a book of remembrance that will be remembered throughout eternity not just this morning. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for loving us, and thank you for the children's story, the singing, and our opportunity to give back to what ultimately you own. Thank you for watching over us, and now we want to lay this service in your hands and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Actually, Bo should be giving a sermon. It's called Exercise in the Brain. But anyway, I'll try to do my best shot. Okay, so uh, here we go. So let me just start with these couple of statements from uh, Spirit of Prophecy. Anything that lessens physical strength enfeebles the mind and makes it less capable of discriminating between right and wrong. It is impossible for men and women with all their sinful, health-destroying, brain-enervating habits to discern sacred truth. So the reason we talk about the eight laws of health is because it affects the brain. And if it affects the brain, it affects our ability to discern between right and wrong, uh, discerns our ability between under, being able to understand sacred truth. And exercise is just one of those eight laws of health, but all eight of them are equally important. And this is kind of why we're going through this is because everything we do affects our ability to think and to understand, okay? So today is, as we've been going through this acronym on the word creation, we talked about C, first of all, communion with the creator, and then we did R, relationships, and now we're on exercise. So let's look at the original exercise plan that God had. It's right there in Genesis. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there... He put the man whom he had formed, and the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to do something. Not just to sit there, right? He put him in there to actually do something, to dress it and to and to actually keep it, which took effort. And it took thought. Let's see what the Spirit of Prophecy says about this. Book Education, page 21. To Adam and Eve was committed the care of the garden to dress it and keep it. Though rich in all that the owner of the universe could supply, they were not to be idle. Useful occupation was appointed them as a blessing to what? Strengthen the body and expand the mind and to all three of those who are important. This is why physical activity predominantly, if you have opportunity, in the garden. So living in the country is not a way of avoiding persecution per se. I always understood that living in the country was a way to develop character. It's not a way of trying to be a seventh-day survivalist. Though, you have certain benefits that way as well, but it's not the main purpose. The main purpose is the main purpose God had us out there, was really to appreciate the things of nature, to be able to work in the garden, work with your hands, um, and... And it helps develop character. I, I think in a lot of ways, it helps us to slow down a little bit. 
and appreciate the things of nature because we can get so caught up, become so busy and never appreciate the things God made, never get our hands in the soil, never be able to see things start from a seed and grow. But all those are lessons for us that keeps reminding us that I need to plant seeds of Jesus in my heart so he can grow inside of me. Okay. Let men and women work in the field and orchard and garden. This will bring health and strength to nerve and muscle. Every part of the human organism should be equally taxed. So don't just read all day and don't just physically work all day. This is necessary for the harmonious development and action of every part. God made nerve and muscle in order that they might be used. It is the inaction of the human machinery that brings suffering and disease. And that is a lot of it. You know, I worked as an interim director of a lifestyle center years ago. Uh, a lot of why people were there with heart disease or different kinds of things was probably inactivity. A lot of it was, oh, no doubt, uh, poor nutrition and so forth. But a third component that seemed to be very prevalent was not just what they were eating and the fact that they weren't active, but most all of them had an issue with somebody else in their life that they've never resolved. And so there was just a lot of stress in their life and, and so forth, all of which. And so when they go to a lifestyle center, you can't just give them salads and say, go on the sidewalk and walk because it doesn't really take care of the whole person. Amen. And um, so, you know, uh, Elena had somebody came to, she does physical therapy and the lady had bruises. And she was coming there because she injured her wrist. But she assumed the bruises were from abuse. And you can help the person with their wrist. But the biggest hurt is in the heart, in the mind. And so in, in modern medicine, we've, we're so compartmentalized. But this is why God always wanted us, the church, to have a place for people to go. Because we could help the whole person. And realize that, no, we're not here just to help them reverse their heart disease. we got to make sure that they're at peace with their fellow man. And help them have time with God. Because we really are trying to help the whole person. But exercise is part of it. It's not everything. No one's going to get to heaven because they can run a mile under four minutes, you know. Morning exercise and walking in the free, invigorating air of heaven or cultivating flowers, small fruits, and vegetables is necessary to a healthful circulation of the blood. It is the surest safeguard against colds, coughs, congestions of brain and lungs, inflammation of the liver, the kidneys and the lungs, and a hundred other diseases. Go out and exercise every day, even though some things indoors have to be neglected. Now, that's an interesting, that last phrase, isn't it? Because we generally always put what I have to do inside above anything else doing outside. And, uh, of course, you know the old adage between men and a husband and a wife. The wife takes care of everything outside and I, or inside, and I take, <laughs> I'll take care of all the outside stuff. But... Uh, the thing is, we all have to find time to exercise, to walk. If you don't have flowers, maybe you'd want to have some flowers. It's, it's not just the physical thing that you benefit by having vegetables and flowers, 
you benefit from them. Um, and it's, you know, as we get closer to the end, and I think we're there, um, there's all kinds of stuff sprayed on these foods. And uh, we just need to be careful. Do the best you can. Just put everything on the altar. God will lead. He knows where you need to be and when. Maybe the place he has for you isn't even available for sale right right now. Right, Mike? It's going to be. Yeah. Well, let's think about some of the studies. We looked at what the Bible, Spirit of Prophecy, says about this. But does science back it up? Most of the, the studies I have here are dealing with seniors. Um, but we know exercise is good for people. One study of 1,020 senior housing residents, all of whom were free of dementia, found that the risk of becoming disabled fell 7% for every additional hour spent each week being physically active. That's a lot. So if there's no physical activity, there's a very high risk of some sort of uh, disabled, being disabled. The risk of dying over the next several years fell by 11%. For every hour of added weekly activity. That's an amazing benefit for just an hour. And what if you did that three times a week? Right? I mean, it just it adds up. So don't, you know, walk for 10 hours your first day. You know, you don't want to get sore because that's going to kind of take away your motivation to want to kind of keep going. You just kind of build up to it, have a day, then next week have two days and so forth, and just find a good, healthy way of, of exercising. Physical activity or physically active seniors were better able to focus on a task at hand even when distractions were present than their less active peers. So we know that uh, exercise affects the brain. And a part of that is, of course, you got more oxygen, you got better blood flow, all of which affects your ability to think and to focus. If your blood gets sluggish and you got poor circulation, you just don't have the ability to focus like you could if you had a good diet and exercise. All that was necessary was a moderate level of physical activity. It was not necessary to have some weight training all-out fitness program. So if you're 75 or older, you don't have to go out and get a bunch of weights or anything. What's important, though, is more cardio. We're going to see a slide here in a little bit. You know, people talk about toning, but they're not really necessarily working the heart. And so I can, I can do an exercise that helps tone the body, but it doesn't help me to focus better. It's getting the heart going. It's like those cardio more exercises that helps the brain better and our ability to focus. And here's that slide. One group engaged in stretching and toning activities several days a week, and another group focused on aerobic activities several days a week. At the end of six months, sounds like a story in the book of Daniel, doesn't it? The aerobic group exercised or experienced a significant improvement in cardiovascular health, attention activity, and increased brain activity in areas related to attention. In contrast, there was no significant changes in people in the stretching and toning group. Isn't that interesting? Um, so the way God designed us was not just to tone, but to exercise. Get out in the fresh air and the sunshine, get that blood flowing, get exercising those muscles, all of which is going to help the brain and so forth. The benefits of aerobic exercise increase levels of serotonin and dopamine in the brain. Have you ever heard of a, a runner's high? 
Well, that's because in that exercise, it increased these levels of serotonin and dopamine, which makes you feel better about life and yourself. A natural remedy in preventing, reducing, and treating depression. Uh, generally getting people out there who uh, are not sitting around being depressed, but getting out in the fresh air and the sunshine. I mean, the sunshine, not that we have any here in beautiful Cleveland today, but you can imagine sunshine, right? Um, but sometimes people have those blue lights, right? And a lot of people use those every day. Alina has that. You know, she'll take her devotional book and have the blue light on while she's reading. So you're accomplishing two things at the same time. Um, and it helps. It helps you just feel better. It alleviates anxiety, substance abuse disorders, ADHD, improves the performance of muscles, lungs, which we know, which is usually what we focus on, aids in the work of digestion, which does affect the way you think and feel. It increases the circulation of the blood and the function of the heart. A lot of benefits, even if it's just an hour a day or whatever, going for a walk. Exercise and brain capacity. So there was, they did a study and they would test uh, among seniors specifically here, three kinds of things to, to figure out their physical fitness. One was uh, the, a walking test. How far could they walk at what pace over a period of time? The other was a, a hand strength gripping, you know. Um, and of course, the more active they are, if they're out in a garden, they're gonna have increased hand gripping strength, right? And of course, lung functions is huge. Respiration, having enough oxygen in the system. Seniors who scored the highest levels of cognitive function were those who scored the highest on the walking test, test of hand grip strength, and the test of lung function. Now, of those three, which one do you think would be the most important for brain function? Yeah, probably lung and the exercise together. It's kind of hard to separate them. But if I had one of those hand grippers and I was doing this while I was preaching right now, am I getting smarter? Probably not. You know, it's not gonna, not really you know, increasing the, the, the vascular dementia. We talk about dementia, but vascular dementia is caused by an impaired blood flow to the brain. So what, what have we been talking about that could increase blood flow? Exercise, right? And people who suffer from diabetes and high blood pressure are at risk of vascular dementia, which is curable, right? By simple exercise. Seniors who walked or who participated in other forms of moderate activity reduced their risk by, this is amazing, 25% over the next four years. So if you fall into a category where dementia is a threat, part of the answer is to start doing what? To start exercising, do you have to start training for the Olympics? No, huh? You might, yeah, senior Olympics maybe, yeah, okay. Children at play helps them to develop flexibility, dexterity, their imaginations, and what was interesting is 3D concepts. So a lot more children today are in front of a computer doing computer games, and I'm not saying there aren't any benefits there, but what happens is if children are out there playing, they don't get that sense of 3D dimensional things of throwing, catching, space, you know, playing together. And, and because of that, they're able to measure that kids are less likely to do well with things that are mechanical, uh, like engineering. 
because they're more faced with two-dimensional things. And it's really good as for kids to be active. We know it's good for them as far as their health, uh, maybe developing friendships, things like that. So if children can be out at play, doing things, that's a, a really healthy thing. Not just physically, but, but mentally. You know, helps develop other parts of the brain. So let's talk about diet and, um, and exercise. So group one had a, a diet rich in omega-3 fats, olive oil, healthy whole grain carbohydrates, and antioxidants. And they also participated in a cardiovascular program like, like walking. Group two didn't do those things. They just kind of more typical American diet, very little activity. Now this sounds even more like the story of Daniel. At the end of just 14 days, isn't that amazing? Just 14 days, group one had a marked decrease in brain metabolism in an area of the brain linked to working memory and other cognitive functions, not because they didn't function as well, but because it took less energy to achieve more. And that's like a muscle. If you exercise your muscles and you get stronger, you can do more with less effort. So you're not taxing the brain by developing good respiration through exercise and things like that. And that becomes very important, um, especially over, over time as we get older. Um, let the will, so we only got a couple more here. So I want to maybe preface this comment or this slide with, what if you know... You've read, you've got, you've had enough information to know the benefits of exercise. And you're convinced of it. And this is how we make decisions. First of all, you can't make a decision ultimately unless you have information. But after information, you have to have conviction. Like, let's say, take the Sabbath. A person may have enough information to understand which day is the Sabbath. But the next step in making a decision, are they convinced with that information? And if people aren't convinced, then the next thing you would do is share some more Sabbath texts. But once they're convinced, they have enough information, they're convinced that the seventh day is the Sabbath, the next part of making a decision is desire. And there's a lot of people who have had enough information, they're convinced that the seventh day is the Sabbath, but, and I've met people, they don't keep the Sabbath because they want to watch Ohio State play football on Saturday. Uh, I've met people who don't want to give it up because that's the day they go shopping with their wife. There's people who have all kinds of reasons why they don't desire to. They know it's the right day, but they don't want to. So what if you have enough information about exercise and you know you have enough, you're convinced it's the thing to do, but you don't you really don't want to, you know. So we have something called Willpower. And the will is free. And I'm not talking about money. You can make choices. But can something affect the ability to make a choice? Yeah, it could be an addiction. You know, Paul talked about it in Romans 7. He wanted to do the right thing, but he found out that he really couldn't do it. He didn't really have to make a choice, and the choice was was Christ. 
Because in reality, to overcome addictions, who do you need? You really need God. And even people who overcome addictions, who don't believe in God, did God help them overcome that addiction? Absolutely. God helps people who don't even like him. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. He died for the people who mocked him when he was on the cross. He died for the people who scorned him and slapped him. He died for all of them. He died for his disciples who who fleed from them and almost denied him. He died for us all. So the person who wants to stop smoking, who doesn't give God credit for anything, God still helps him. Why? That's his nature. The nature of God is always to bless, is always life-promoting. God doesn't do anything to take away life. Okay? So, what if I want to exercise, but I don't feel like it? So, these next couple slides, and this is what we'll conclude with, is maybe thinking about doing things that makes me more likely to choose to do good things when right now I'm struggling with it. Does that make sense? But anyway, let's go look at this. Let the will be kept awake and rightly directed. So we have a will. It's free, but it has to be, it does have to be exercised. It does have to be directed. And it will impart energy to the whole being and will be a wonderful aid in the maintenance of health. It is a power also in dealing with disease. Okay? We weaken, weaken the will when we develop unhealthy habits. Those unhealthy habits lead to pathological outcomes. The brain and the whole body suffer. So a person who's addicted to alcohol may want to stop drinking, but his alcoholism is affecting his ability to make a choice. Okay? So what can we do? Well, these are just, this isn't a complete list, but these are some ways in which if I'm struggling choosing to do something helpful, what can I do to help myself be better at making good decisions? And one of them is just to go ahead and just start practicing as small as these decisions are, just practice deciding positive things and do them immediately. For example, when I wake up, can I immediately get out of bed and start drinking two glasses of water or something? Can I do that? Simply by choosing to do that, I've just strengthened what? My will. If I follow a plan that's very simple, you know how as a kid you you, you played a, a something like an art where you connect the dots and it makes a picture? Just do that. Have a plan where it's easy to connect dots. I wake up in the morning and I get out of bed. I get out of bed and I drink my water. I get out of bed and I have my prayer. I get out of bed and I drink my water, I have my prayer, and I begin to read whatever my devotional reading is. Have I just strengthened my ability to make a decision? Because the more you do things like that, it doesn't have to be big things. It's all the little things where you make a choice. And by making choices, you enable yourself to be able to do things even if you don't feel like it, but you understand it's better for you, and you struggle because the desire isn't there, but at least you put yourself in a better position to do it. 
Uh, when you read your Bible, when you do your devotional, it makes a difference how you read and how you make decisions in life. If you read your devotional book and you don't concentrate and you don't follow through with anything, what did you just do to yourself? You just weakened your ability to make a choice. Does that make sense? But if you read something and take time to understand what you're reading and commit yourself to do it, be it ever how small, you've just strengthened your ability to make better decisions in the future. So one of the things we learn about Daniel in chapter 1 is he refused to eat the king's meat and drink his wine because he knew something. Once he went against his conscience and started making decisions that he knew was wrong, he was more likely to what? Keep making those kinds of decisions and weakening his will to choose what is is right. And so all these things really make a difference. They make a difference in our... Because you remember our first slide was about doing these things so that we can discern what? Between right and wrong to understand sacred truth. Uh, So read with a purpose, read deeply and thoughtfully. And the more you think about what you're reading, the more it falls into long-term memory. And then you strengthen that. And what's challenging today for people is everything is just so surfacey. It could be a, a text or, and then you get your phone and it's a beep and then you get this and you get that and people are checking their emails and they're checking this and their attention spans are very, very short. You know, it's hard enough to get people to watch a podcast for 20 minutes and now you got to get down to 10 minutes because people's attention spans. We're not spending enough time thinking thoughtfully about things. Number three is follow a healthy lifestyle plan, which includes good nutrition, adequate hydration, and rest. And so that kind of goes close to number one. And do not live impulsively, you know, and uh, because the more you just keep choosing to do things, oh, okay, I'll just buy this and I'll do this. The less that you, you, be, you become more impulsive. You know, the, the thing that the devil's trying to do now, he wants people not to choose the right thing. He wants people to be impulsive. Because in the end of time, when the Sunday laws are passed, and people are wondering, where am I, how am I going to put food on my table if I don't take the mark of the beast? They're just going to do what's impulsive. Right? They're not going to think through this. It's really better to honor God. You know, no matter what happens to the body, it's really going to be... And to just think that way, to think deeply... And have and, and thought that way for years heading into the end of time is quite an advantage. Because I've always wondered, what did it mean that the world just, it just wanders after the beast? It's like they're not even thinking. They're just living impulsively. They're just reacting. Uh, submit your will to God. That was actually part of our children's story, right? Is, is to consecrate ourselves every day. Submit our will to God because his will is is perfect. How could it not be perfect? Is my will perfect? You know, you have, there are two wills. There's God's will and there's our will. Okay. And God's will is always perfect. And so the idea of surrendering your will isn't surrendering your personality. 
but we're surrendering ourselves so God can develop our character. Because those are two different things. We're not all to have the same personality. But we're all to have the same character. Does that make sense? We're all to have the character of Christ with your unique personality. Which is why we all get to go through a different gate into the city. Whether it's based on personalities or whatever it's based on, your experiences or whatever. There's a difference, just like there's different parts to your body, but it all works together. And there's people are different in the church, but we're all achieving and trying to be more like Jesus with our unique personalities and so forth. Um, but we all know that his will is perfect. And in your Sabbath school lesson, the way to show that you love God is to, is to obey. Because you trust him. Obedience will always be a way, our way of showing our love to God and that we believe that he is supreme and that he, all these things, is to promote life. Um, so situational depression, you know, is, I'm not talking about people being chronically depressed or anything, but you're going to find that in every, every care plan, um, whether Ron is a nurse and others of you have been in the medical field, Zolt and so forth, you know that exercise is always part of people's recovery. Is this right? And it's not the only thing. You know, people dealing with depression, you don't just say, well, just go out for a jog. That's it. You know, or people dealing with heart disease. No, it's not just it. Sometimes they have heart disease or are suffering things because of relationships with people. Okay? Could be dietary. Could be a lot of things. But when we deal with depression, we find exercise. But all these other things are part of it. Commune with God who loves you. That's really number one. You know, if people really knew God to be loved, there'd be a lot of anxiety and depression that would just be gone today. Yes. Claiming Bible promises instead of claiming all your problems, think about how God has promised to help you. Amen. Find support in your local church. Um, make things right with others through the power of love and forgiveness. Yes. And find time to exercise and enjoy the sunshine. Amen. Express things you're thankful for. Maintain good sleep habits is huge. Uh, eat healthily, keep sufficient hydration, drinking uh, six to eight glasses of water a day. And I have shared with you, I did say six to eight, right? Did I share with you the time I did a stop smoking clinic? And I told people to drink six to eight glasses of water. And the one guy I thought I said 68. <laughs> well, he came in and sloshing in the next night. And he said, I drank 34 glasses of water. <laughs> but I can guarantee you, he was a non-smoker from that night. Because he had literally, literally washed all the nicotine out of his system in one night. He was a non-smoker after that. But he probably could have drowned that night too. So, <laughs> And then find someone to help. One way of overcoming your depression is to find a way of, of meeting the needs of others. And I think maybe this next one's our last slide. Okay. Most people start with the opening text to begin their sermon. I'm going to end with it. So Emery was reading, and it's... Oh, no. Yeah, Emery is reading. She considereth a field, and she buyeth it. When you think about that statement right now, she was wise. She didn't buy a field and overpay for it. She considered what she could do with this. 
And then she bought it. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a, a vineyard. So anytime she, she got something, she did what with it? She improved it. Okay? She girdeth her loins. That means she was able to pick something up so she could go to work with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. That doesn't mean she did all-nighters or anything, but she, she put in a good day's work and had a great night of sleep, right? Made the best of that day. She wisely buys a field at the right price. She works hard to improve it. All her activities prove profitable. And so when you think about exercise, exercise is something that she did. God designed us to improve things. So in our little three acres we have, we planted 24 trees um, for a lot of reasons. Because we bought the place and we want to do what with it? We want to improve it. God put Adam and Eve in a garden to keep it and to improve it. You know, to maintain it. To, and, and, and I think God does that for us. He says, take something and make it better. Start some Bible studies. Learn to do it better. Get some land. Improve it. Whatever you do, you're going to have an exercise program not to be enfeebled, but to be stronger. Pick the right one for yourself. Find improvement. Everything you do, find improvement. It's why you're doing it. It's why you have a devotional life, is to be a better person, to be more like Jesus, right? So everything you do, be like this virtuous woman. Everything she put her hand to, there was a reason for it. And there was a purpose. So find some time in your day and this week to ask God how he would want you to exercise. And remember that if we struggle with deciding to do that, think about how we can strengthen our will by just all the little things in life. You make make a list of these dots of decisions and just keep connecting the dots And you just become accustomed of whatever your plan is, you do it. Because we're heading into a time we're going to have to make some weighty decisions. And if you're making all these decisions, you have this confidence that by God's help, you're making right decisions, and you are because you're getting healthier, you're more likely to make those right decisions in the end of time. So may God direct each one of us to do something that increases our circulation of our blood and to keep it pure so that we're better able to discern between right and wrong.